What are the biggest questions you should ask before investing in a qualified opportunity fund? Find out next. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Well, the 2020 election is more or less in the books, and the year is beginning to wind down. The holidays are just around the corner, and so that means time is running out for many investors who face a December 31st deadline to roll over their capital gains into qualified Opportunity Zone investments. If you are considering making an investment into a qualified Opportunity Fund, today's episode is going to focus on questions that you should ask the fund manager before placing your investment. And today's episode is brought to you by Urban Catalyst, who came up with the top 10 questions list. I'm going to run through their 10 questions first, and then I've got a few more of my own that I'm going to add. But question number one is, is it a blind pool fund? And essentially, there are three types of Opportunity Zone funds, or three ways that Opportunity Zone funds can be broken up. One is a single asset, project-specific fund, where the The project has already been identified, whether it's a business or a piece of property that's going to be renovated or maybe just uh, land that's going to be ground up development. Just one single asset. The second type of Opportunity Zone fund is a multi-asset fund. And there's two different types of multi-asset funds to consider. One is a fund that has all of the properties or many of the properties at least identified the sites have been selected, and they're all lined up. They have a pipeline of projects that are available to them, and many of them, if not all of them, have already been identified. And then the third different type of OZ fund is another type of multi-asset fund. And it's a multi-asset fund that really only has a vague investment thesis or concept in mind. They may have a pipeline, but they may not. And It's essentially a blind pool fund. They're asking you to write them a big check, but you're not sure, and they may not even be sure in many cases, which properties they're actually going to invest in. They're going to get the money in first and then worry about which projects they're going to deploy that capital into at a later date. And again, they may have an investment thesis they're following. They may have a region they're focused on or a particular asset class or property type that they like to invest in, but nothing's actually been identified. So you want to know, is the fund a blind pool fund or not? And if it is, uh, I would take extra precaution knowing what you're getting into there, knowing that they haven't actually selected any assets. Question number two that Urban Catalyst identifies in their guide is, how many projects are identified in the fund and where are they located? So kind of tying into that first question again, you know, if it's a blind pool fund, they're not going to know the answer to that question. But if it's a single asset fund or a multi-asset fund that has projects identified, they should have a pretty good idea of how many projects they're going to invest in. Sometimes it's a range. Sometimes they're not exactly sure, but they do have a good pipeline that they are performing due diligence on. You know, it can range for a multi-asset fund. It can range from, you know, a handful, maybe two or three different properties up to maybe 20 or 30, especially if it's like a VC model 
um, operating business type fund. Maybe they want to diversify and invest in a lot of different types of businesses. But you should have an idea of how many they're eventually going to invest in and whether or not it's regionally focused or focused in, in one particular city or, or one particular state. That's a good question to ask. A third question to ask the fund manager of a QOF is, does your fund have a diversified portfolio of multiple property types? So going back again to our first question, you know, the three different types of funds, there's a single asset fund, a multi-asset fund where the properties or projects or operating businesses have been identified, and then there's a multi-asset fund where nothing's been identified. So you want to know from the fund manager, well, in those last two cases at least, if you are a multi-asset fund, are you only investing in one different asset class? And some funds do that. Some funds really want to focus on just multifamily. Some funds want to focus on mobile home parks. Some funds want to focus on high growth potential tech startups. I've seen examples of of all three of those. Uh, Other funds do prefer to take a diversified portfolio approach where they may be region specific or maybe they're national, but they don't stick within one type of property. Maybe they are real estate specific, but within real estate, they may invest in hotel, industrial, multifamily, uh, retail, office. They may have a bit of a mix there just to further diversify the portfolio within the fund. So whichever you select there, it's kind of up to you and and your advisors what your risk tolerance is and, and what type of strategy you prefer. But you should definitely know the answer to that question before writing a check. You know, where, where exactly is my capital going? Is it going into a diversified mix of different property types? Or is it all going into the same property type? Question number four from Urban Catalyst is, has the sponsor completed development projects in the target area previously? Essentially, what's your track record? Uh, Are you going to have trouble doing ground-up development or doing redevelopment on certain projects? Are are you new to this area? Have you identified a development company? Are those going to be headwinds that you're going to be facing being a newer player in this space? You know, ideally, you'd want to see somebody who does have a good track record and does have a history of a lot of completed projects within the area that they are attempting to deploy capital into. Question number five, is the sponsor a fund manager or a development company? or both? This is a good question to ask. You want to know who is controlling your money, and are they professional fund managers? Have they managed a fund before, or are they a development company that's kind of become a fund manager just to be able to take advantage of the Opportunity Zone tax incentive? You're going to want to know, again, what their track record is and who they are really. Who are you actually writing the check to? Uh, sometimes it's a fund manager who then contracts out to different developers or maybe one big developer and they have their own arrangement. Other times the fund manager and the development company are vertically integrated and it's one and the same. Uh, again, I would encourage you to reach out to your advisors and, and consider all of the different risks that uh, may be present there, depending on what the answer to that question is. But in any event, you want to know who the sponsor is on the project and what their role is. 
Question number six, does the fund anticipate making tax-free distributions prior to 2027? So the 2027 date is of particular interest here because the capital gain deferral period expires on December 31, 2026. It's on that date that you'll be recognizing the original capital gain that you rolled over. And so that would mean that you'd have a tax liability coming due on April 15th, 2027. And you need to make sure that you have some liquidity available. So it's some funds have structured their funds such that they do provide for some distributions uh, around that date or prior to that date. And, and beyond that point, these funds do provide some cash flow. They have income coming through the door. You know, how does that get down to the limited partners, to you as an investor, and what do those distributions look like? So that's definitely a question you'll want to ask the fund manager prior to writing that check. Question number seven is, what is the minimum investment amount? And really, this may be the first question you want to ask because it might rule you out of investing in the fund. What I've seen typically is most qualified opportunity funds have a minimum investment amount of at least $25,000. There are a handful that I have listed on my site that have lower minimums in the $5,000 to $10,000 range, but it seems like the vast majority of them are either $25,000 or $50,000. Some of them get up to $100 or $250 or $500 or even a million. Um, but you know that's a question you're going to want to ask right at the outset, obviously, because it could rule you out. If, if you feel as though the minimum is really high or if it's really low, uh, you might want to ask the fund manager why he or she decided to set the minimum at that amount. Oftentimes, they're trying to restrict the number of investors they have in. That's oftentimes why they put the investment amount so high because the more investors they have in the fund, the the more burdensome it becomes to to manage everything and to administer the fund. But at the same time, the, the higher the investment amount, the smaller the pool of available investors becomes. So sometimes they'll have, sometimes fund managers will have a, a lower investment minimum just to kind of deepen that pool or widen that pool of investors that they're able to draw from. Question number eight, how much has the fund raised in committed capital so far? This is a great question to ask. If the answer to this question is zero and you're the first investor, run. You do not want to be the first investor into a fund unless you are friends and family of the fund sponsor. But if you're outside capital coming in and you don't know them particularly well, you want to make sure that they've at least received some committed capital. Oftentimes, the fund won't really even go to market until the fund managers themselves have put up some capital or have raised from their own small circle of family and friends. And typically, you're going to want to see, you know, depending on the size of the fund, you're going to want to see at least several hundred thousand dollars and if not a few million dollars in the fund already before you commit as an outside investor. And, and, and for purposes of this discussion, I'm assuming you're an outside investor coming in. They've generally solicited the fund to the public and and they've found you uh, maybe on Google or through their RIA network, uh, but but you don't have any prior relationship with them or your prior relationship with them may only be minimal. You want to see that they definitely have some committed capital so far that you're not the first investor coming in in that case. Question number nine, what tax forms will the investors receive? This is a great question to ask. You want to know if uh, the the fund is set up as a 
S corp or a C corp or an LLC and what that's going to mean for you when you're preparing your taxes. Most of the time you're going to receive either a K1 or a 1099 from the fund. You and especially your CPA should just know about that prior to you making an investment just so you can prepare accordingly. And the 10th and final question brought to us by Urban Catalyst is when will the fund close? This is a, another great question to ask. All these questions have been great ones. When will the fund close? Eventually, the fund should have a close date where they close off to new investors. And you're going to want to know when that's coming up because that could have some implications on when the 10-year benefit will kick in for all of the investors in the fund. Uh, that That's something that you're going to want to check with your accountants about and possibly even get in touch with the fund managers or the fund issuers accounting team about uh, knowing how that may affect you when the fund is going to close. And it's also important just to know, you know, what kind of timelines they may be running up against. So those are the 10 questions that were brought to us today by Urban Catalyst, 10 questions that you should consider asking any qualified opportunity fund issuer before writing that big investment check. I've come up with a few other questions that I think are important. These are just from me now, Jimmy Atkinson, my questions that I would want to ask as an investor. Uh, you know, one question you're going to want to ask is what are your projected returns? Uh, you know, if you're looking at a pitch deck or other type of offering document or an executive summary, you should find at least one page in there with some projected returns. And if you don't see that, ask. And if they don't know, that could be a red flag. So you're going to want to see basically what is the fund projected to do for you and, and, and realize that you have to take those projected returns with a grain of salt. Uh, they are best guess estimates, but they are by no means written in stone. But it's, it's good for you to, to know what the answer to that question is or what they're projecting the fund to do over that lifetime, over that, over that big... Uh, I mean, it's going to be at least a 10-year hold before you can receive that basis step up to fair market value and ultimately take advantage of all of the Opportunity Zone tax incentives. Another question that's really important to ask, you know, in the interest of full transparency, those types of documents that you're going to be receiving from the fund when you're getting closer to writing your check, whether, again, if it's a, if it's a slide deck, pitch deck, uh, executive summary, or other offering documents, you're going to want to know what are the fees? What's the fee structure? And is there a sponsor promote? And when does that kick in? Oftentimes, you'll see fees of, you know, between 1% to 2% on just like annual fund management based on the assets that are in the fund. Uh, oftentimes, you'll also see different administrative fees or origination fees or transaction closing fees. Uh, you want to be aware of what all those different fees are, when they get paid, and to whom they're paid, and ultimately how that's going to impact your return. And then getting back to the sponsor promote, you want to know at what point does that kick in? Uh, does it kick in after hitting 6% or 8% or 10%? And then what are the profits? What What is the profit split on anything above and beyond that benchmark return. Is it 80-20? Is it 75-25? You should know 
what that's going to look like so there are no surprises. Yeah, a couple other questions to keep in mind. I've just got a couple more here. What happens if you need to get your money out before 10 years is up? You know, when you enter into a qualified opportunity fund, it's not like buying something that's publicly traded. It's not like buying a stock or or buying a mutual fund or an ETF where you can just sell the next day or next week or next month if if you need cash, if you need some liquidity. This is an investment into a private equity fund where sometimes it can be hard to get your money back out of. And uh, that's by design, really. You know, these investment vehicles are not meant to be very liquid. But, you know, it happens every once in a while where an investor will need to get out. And it may happen to you someday. You know, 10 years is a long time. You never know what life's going to bring you. Five, six, seven years down the line, you might get in a jam where you, where you need some money out of the fund before uh, the, the full investment horizon has, has come up. Uh, and you want to just kind of ask, hey, what happens if I do need to get my money out? Some funds can be flexible on that. Some have some um, cash out opportunities available or structured into their funds. Some do not. So it's, it's good to ask that question. Um, for the most part, the funds don't like you getting out before 10 years. Uh, and, and you're not really supposed to, but uh, some of them have worked on some solutions to that. So it's a good question to ask. Yeah, and just uh, a couple final questions that you should consider asking are, are which service providers are you working with? Who's your legal team? Who's your accounting team? Who's your fund administration team? Uh, you know, if they're doing, if, if they're a smaller fund issuer and they're doing everything in-house, uh, that would be a red flag to me. Um, if they're a, a really large fund issuer and they're doing everything in-house, I think that's okay, possibly. Uh, but typically, you're going to have outside legal counsel. You'll have outside accounting help. Oftentimes, you'll also have an outside fund administration or fund custodian team, you should just be aware of who all those players are. And oftentimes they'll draw attention to those uh, service providers in the pitch deck or executive summary. And if not, feel free to ask, you know, you should know who, who those different teams are uh, and who you may receive your, your tax return, schedule K1 or form 1099. Who's that going to be coming from? How do you receive your statements or the, and how often do you receive them also? Uh, quarterly, semi-annually, annually, you're going to want to know where that's coming from and, and how often you're going to receive them and, and what type of transparency you're going to receive on that. So those are some really good questions to keep in mind and to ask, and especially if you're going to be joining me next Tuesday on my one-day Opportunity Zone Pitch Day event, in case you haven't heard about it yet, this is going to be an online event that's going to take place on Tuesday, November 17th. And it's an event that's intended to be pretty light on basic Opportunity Zone education, but really heavy on matchmaking. So if you're an investor looking to make an investment into a qualified opportunity fund, and particularly if you need to do so before the end of the year, OZ Pitch Day is going to help you find your Opportunity Zone investment and make that investment. So you can get invested by attending the first OZ Pitch Day 2020, November 17th. It's an online event. The schedule of fund partners pitching during the day is nearly finalized. I'm going to highlight a few of the fund partners in just a moment here. And for those who do register, I'm just about to send out a, an email with the final agenda. I should be doing that in the next day or two. And so you can pick and choose when you want to attend. So you can hear from the fund issuers that you want to learn the most about. 
the event's all day. It runs from 10 a.m. to about 5 or 6 p.m. That's Eastern time. And I don't expect anybody listening to this to, to sit in front of their Zoom all day long on that day. God bless you if you do. And uh, I know I'll be there all day. But uh, I, I'm expecting you to kind of pop in uh, as you please. You know, you can pop in, pop out, depending on, you know, what the schedule looks like and, and how it works with your day. Um, if maybe there's a couple of funds that you're particularly looking forward to hearing about, I'll let you know when they're going to speak. I've got the schedule almost finalized, as I just mentioned. So a little bit more about the event. Again, it's a one-day event. It's going to be 100% online. And best part, it's 100% free for you as an investor to attend. It's really easy to register on the website. It's going to be hosted through Zoom, so you can attend on any device. And it can be accessed from uh, your desktop, your laptop, iPad, mobile phone, on the go, on your desk, uh, in your office, at home, wherever you are, you can join that day. It's really easy. And again, the event is really driven toward matchmaking. I'm looking to match quality investors, such as a lot of my listeners right now, with quality Opportunity Zone deals. Uh, It's going to be largely non-educational, but I am going to kick off the event with an OZ 101 session at the start of the day. And then we're going to dive into our partners' different investment opportunities. I'm not going to have every Opportunity Zone in the universe on the event. Uh, you can find a pretty comprehensive list of a lot of the qualified opportunity funds that are seeking capital at my website at opportunitydb.com slash funds. Uh, but the funds that we highlight during the course of the OZ Pitch Day event will represent a pretty good cross-section of that universe. And, I, and again, I'm going to highlight a few of them in just a moment, if you can bear with me here. Uh, so learn more and register today, you can head over to ozpitchday.com to register. That's ozpitchday.com. And there you can learn more about the event and register to attend free of charge. So I want to talk to you about a few of the funds that are going to be pitching during the course of the day. We're going to hear from Michael Episcope from Origin Investments and their QOZ fund that invests in institutional quality multifamily projects, we're thinking class A multifamily here, across some of the fastest growing markets all over the United States. The fund currently has over $66 million invested in four different Opportunity Zone projects located in Charlotte, Chicago, Houston, and Phoenix. Another fund that we have pitching that day is Urban Catalyst. They're the fund manager that provided me with that top 10 questions list that I just went through. They have a real estate Opportunity Zone fund focused on ground-up development projects in downtown San Jose, so very regionally focused. So far, they've acquired seven different projects across office, multifamily, student housing, senior housing, and hospitality. So they've formed quite a diverse portfolio of assets. We'll also hear from Greg Genovese at USG Realty Capital and his new Opportunity Zone fund that they are just starting to raise capital for. Greg has a great track record of Opportunity Zone project development, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about his new fund. It's going to be a multi-asset national real estate fund. They've already got a pretty good pipeline of projects identified, and I'm looking forward to hearing much more about them from Greg. So that's a highlight of a few of our fund partners that will be pitching during the course of the day. We have many other funds 
lined up and I'll just kind of rattle off some of the different property types we're going to be hearing from. We're going to be hearing from a luxury hotel development in Puerto Rico. We're going to be hearing from a fund that focuses on multi-asset mobile home parks nationwide. That's Saratoga Group. We're going to be hearing from an Opportunity Zone fund that's focused on 130 acres of land in the Raleigh Triangle area. Very regionally focused multi-asset real estate fund there. We'll also be hearing from a Caliber Opportunity Zone fund, which has a multi-asset region-focused real estate fund located primarily in the Southwest United States. And there's several other funds that I'm just finishing finalizing details on and getting lined up. And we'll be hearing from uh, many more funds during the course of the day. I'm going to cap it at about 12 different qualified opportunity funds. And again, I'm going to get that agenda finalized and sent out to everyone who registers for the event within the next day or two. And again, you can register free of charge for attendees at ozpitchday.com. So if you're an investor with capital gains, I believe that this is a great option for you to meet with several different fund issuers and learn more about their opportunities and investment theses and goals and how you can incorporate some of these investment funds into your portfolio. And as we just mentioned at the top of the show, which questions you should ask them. Because after every pitch, I'm going to have a few minutes left over to get to some live Q&A. That's one of the beautiful parts about this being a live event. It uh, will be online, not in person, unfortunately, but I will still have time to provide everyone who is attending the opportunity to ask questions of the fund managers who are present. So think about the questions you want to ask and make sure you ask them during the course of the day and we can get them answered for you in real time. Um, I'm pleased to announce that, you know, as of the time that I'm recording this podcast, I have over 750 people registered for the event so far. I'm really looking forward to hosting everyone next Tuesday. If you haven't signed up yet, please do. I'm hoping to uh, hit 1,000 people registered for the event. Uh, It's going to be close to see if I get there or not, but uh, that's what I'm shooting for. So you can help me out. Head over to ozpitchday.com and register and make sure you show up next Tuesday. And even if you can't make the live event on Tuesday, I would still encourage you to register because you'll then get first access to the recording. I'm going to have a recording available of every different pitch and other panel throughout the day, and I'm going to email that. First access goes to those who registered for the event. That'll be made available probably within 48 hours of the event concluding. So about a week from now, if you can't attend the live event on Tuesday, November 17th, throughout the course of the day. Don't worry, I'm going to record it. You'll get to watch it later. And finally, a big thank you to all of the fund partners who have partnered with me on this event that I'm putting on next Tuesday. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, And especially thank you to my service provider partners, the Opportunity Exchange and CrowdCreate, who are going to offer some targeted investor outreach post-event. Also, thank you to Coasis Coalition and Jerry Rison over there for your support. And thank you to Novogratic as well, who has come on as a sponsor of the event as well. Very, very much uh, appreciate you guys joining me on this as well. So f- to learn more and to register for the event, head over to ozpitchday.com. That's ozpitchday.com. If you're an investor who wants to invest in Opportunity Zones, but you're not sure of your investment options, I promise you this event will help to get you on the right track. So once again, head over to ozpitchday.com now 
to learn more and register for the event today. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll be back next week with another episode. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.